a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to this episode of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We are continuing this segment we call A Day in the Life. And today, uh, setting our sights on Utah's third congressional district and welcoming back to the program, Utah Congressman John Curtis. Congressman, how are you? Uh, I'm terrific. How are you, Lee? Uh, I'm well, thank you. Listen, last night you were here in the KSL building debating uh, your opponent. Uh, A number of issues were covered. Were you pleased with your performance? Of course. I I enjoy talking about issues, enjoy a a good debate, and uh, I had a a good experience last night. Uh, What were the big takeaways? What were the the items that you hope that uh, viewers and listeners most are left with? Well, I've been really fortunate to have served uh, for three years in the 3rd Congressional District, and um, I'm I'm comfortable with what we've done in those three years, and, and my mission was to make sure I had that opportunity to explain uh, what we've done and and what we hope to do. Now, you uh, set an example of sorts. There was a a debate uh, in which participants were the president of the United States and his challenger, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, a few weeks ago. Uh, They set a a certain tone. Yours was a bit different. (laughs) Uh, You allowed each other to speak, which was interesting in in the debate setting these days. Yeah, and you know we had differences, uh, but I think we we um, and moderator did a great job. Um, I think those differences had an opportunity to unfold, and hopefully listeners could uh, understand where the two of us were coming from. Absolutely. And if you if you missed last night's debate, I'd invite anyone listening right now to go back. Uh, you can view it on the KSL News Radio website. We, we streamed it there live. Also, the Utah Debate Commission has access to it. I am always an advocate of uh, of source material. If you want to know how a candidate feels, what their positions are, look at what they have said, look at what they have written, look at what they have done. And uh, I believe that these debates have great value. And so if you missed it, uh, go back and view it. Now, listen, Congressman Curtis, you have run for office a few times in the past. And besides <laughs> besides the obvious limitations on our abilities to meet in person, what have been some of the uniquenesses of this uh, election cycle in the midst of the COVID era? Well, I've, um, I've just really enjoyed uh, working in the district. For instance, uh, uh, just came home yesterday from a trip down to the south part of the district where we met in every single county down south, all the way down to Four Corners and the Navajo Reservation. And uh, to be honest, this COVID period has been our busiest time since I've been in Congress. You, you, you mentioned geographically the, the travels you have to go through. Utah's third district is geographically massive. It includes uh, much of Utah County east of Utah Lake and ventures south, including cities along Route 6 like uh, Helper and Price, and then plunges south all the way to Blanding and down to the southern border of the state. Where have you been spending most of your time uh, as you've campaigned? You know, um, I, I would have to say uh, equal, we tried to equally distribute it. But to be honest, we, we like to put a disproportionate amount of time into rural because that's where some of the uh, toughest issues are and where they need our help the most. Yeah. Uh, as an incumbent, 
uh, you must balance uh, your goal of retaining your seat in Congress with fulfilling your ongoing duty as a sitting member of Congress, as opposed to a challenger who's able to you know focus wholeheartedly on the campaign. Yeah. D- does one get for you? Does one get a priority over the other, or how are you able to balance appropriately the two interests, which honestly must compete for your time and energy? This is easy for me, Lee. I, I feel like the best campaigning I can do is work hard in my district for the district. So, for instance, this week where we've been down south, we really haven't uh, talked about the campaign, but we've talked about the issues that were important to them. And, and I really think that's what people want to see me do. But head down, working hard, I think that's the best campaigning I can do. Those issues you mention as you travel around and they are brought up to you by uh, you know would-be voters. What are some of the what are some of the larger issues? What are some of the commonalities and the concerns expressed by individuals? Well, clearly, COVID. Uh, we all know that it's every everywhere. Uh, COVID relief, COVID legislation, um, PPP loans. Um, that aside, uh, when we get past COVID, uh, as they go down south, as you well know, public lands issues are just dominant. Uh, BLM, all, all the issues with federal lands. Um, we, we spent a lot of time on those down in, in rural Utah. Um, and, um, and the overall economy is always important. Uh, issues like opioids and, and some of the other things that people are dealing with. But clearly COVID comes to the top of the list in every discussion. When those discussions happen, are, are people demanding you know, your support of a mandate or are they demanding uh, stimulus money to be pushed through? What are, some of the, what are some of the requests or pleas by folks? Well, you know, I think Utah is unique and that they don't uh, like their government to spend money that it doesn't need to spend. So I wouldn't say I'm getting uh, those types of requests at all. Most of them uh, have to do with help us navigate uh, this process. How do we apply for PPP? How do we get forgiveness? Um, We get a lot of feedback on future legislation that they'd like to see, mostly dealing with the specifics of forgiveness and and deadlines on on times. And that's really where we spend the bulk of our time talking about the COVID issues. Well, I have you here on this question. The 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 re- what is the real latest with these stimulus talks? I have uh, countless people asking, both in my family and outside friends, listeners. They yeah. say, Lee, you know about this Congress stuff. Uh, will we be getting? Uh, will, will we be getting another round of checks? Uh, and many of them point out, I'm hurting, and Christmas is coming. So, Lee, you 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 you're right. You get this as well as anybody. Having just left there just a few months ago. Sure. So on the Republicans' part, we have a discharge petition on the floor. Um, I think almost every Republican, if not all, have signed it. Explain, 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 it. explain the functionality of a discharge petition. It's a, it's a fascinating yeah. little nuance of congressional uh, tools. It, it is. So when you're in the minority, um, the, the speaker gets to determine everything. And everybody's heard Nancy Pelosi is holding out uh, on, this, uh, on this relief. So one of the very few tools that you have in the minority is to force a vote. You can force a vote if you get a majority of House members to sign what's called a discharge petition. Now, because the Democrats are in the majority, that means you have to peel off some Democrats, even if you have 100 percent of the Republicans sign. And that's where we're at with this discharge petition, which would force a vote on COVID relief. We think it would clearly pass a COVID relief, depending upon exactly what's put on the floor. But uh, we don't have a single Democrat who has joined us in forcing that vote. And so... You can imagine our frustration in, as we go around the district and seeing people that need help, desperately need help, not even able to bring it to a, being able to bring it to a vote uh, so we can be accountable to the American people for where we stand on this. And, and so to really answer your question about what's going to happen, 
uh, the pressure has to be extreme on Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. But somehow she just keeps uh, this her feet dug in and it's her way or the byway. And uh, I, I know President Trump has modified his position a number of times to try to get closer to her. Uh, but there are things in her provision that are un- untenable. And I, I brought it up in the debate last night. The $600 a month extra unemployment means we are paying people literally more to stay home than go back to work. And I hear from employers all over the district that they can't get people to come back to work because they make more money to stay home. Yeah. Congressman, I wish I could talk at greater length about this, but our time has expired. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck out there. Thanks, Lee. You, best to you. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll be right back. More ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.